Welcome back to Finance in a Flash. We have back Chip Heimiller again this week. Chip, March Madness is over. What are we doing with our time now? <laughs> <laughs> and the Masters just finished, so we well, really don't have much going on, do it we? It kind of led into the Masters. And, yeah. um, you know, although I'll say I, this was March Madness was awesome. It was the games were awesome. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think it may have been the best. I, I don't know if it's just the anticipation for missing it last year or what happened, but uh, it was just amazing. I, I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I think it was the anticipation. I wish, obviously, my Tar Heels would have stayed in longer, but they didn't, and that's you know that's fine. Uh, had the Roy Williams retirement. It's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, but no, it was a good March Madness, and it was it, uh, again. It was nice to have something that felt kind of normal back back into society. Yeah, slowly but surely, right? My kids just started school, so my daughter's mm-hmm. who's in ninth grade. She hasn't been to in person learning, you know, in a long time, and so she finally started back, which is great. Great. My, my yeah. son is now back full time and uh so you know it's it seems like slowly but surely things are starting to get a little bit more uh, normal we'll say and, and hopefully that continues yeah yeah I agree hopefully it continues and hopefully we'll uh we'll be able to go to you know some concerts or act to an actual you know basketball game in person oh gosh really I can't soon, I can't wait would, yeah which would be Awesome. But anyways, the reason why we're here today is not to talk about sports concerts, but to talk about dividend-paying stocks. And Chip, I'm going to pose a question that a lot of people have, have asked us, asked you, that, you know, just kind of popular in, in the stock universe or finance universe, and which is, should my portfolio be primarily adica- allocated to dividend-paying stocks in retirement? That way, my portfolio will almost generate will almost fully generate the income I need to cover living expenses, a.k.a. can we just buy dividend-paying stock so I get the income and then I can just live off the income? It sounds so easy and simple. Why doesn't why doesn't everyone do that? It does sound easy, and, um, and it's so simple. And it's, you know, there's a lot of merit to that. You know, I, probably, you know, the last generation of retirees, that's kind of what, what the approach that they followed it's more complicated than what it seems because, uh, you know, you, you get us into a situation where, um, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I structure an adequately diversified portfolio with only dividend-paying stocks? And uh, it, it sounds easy, but in, in, from a practicality standpoint, it's just it, it's more complicated than, than what you might think. Yeah, so, I mean, so I guess why is it? more complicated um you know that does as far as well you know every company pays three percent uh they might all be in the same sector um i guess like what what makes it so so complicated well there are a number of reasons one is it's hard to find uh dividend paying stocks um in all sectors across the economy and all sizes of company 
Um, and it's just, it's, it's awful hard to, to pull off, you know, if I, and I kind of went through here recently and just kind of did a search and, um, you know, when you look for, um, companies that, you know, with, with fairly high, um, health, financial health ratings, and they're very, um, large mature companies that are, publicly traded and have lots of volume, you know, once you narrow that list down, in fact, for me, once I did that, I narrowed down a list of about 20,000 stocks down to 49. Mm. And so then of those 49, I kind of looked at, you know, what is the, what's the dividend yield? And I, I, you know, made sure that there was at least a 3% dividend yield, uh, for all the companies that I was looking for, but then once you really find hey, those, Chip, real quick, wh- why? I guess if you could elaborate, just maybe a quick sentence. So why a three percent yield? Yeah, well, there's, there's really it's just pulling it out of. Okay, most people think about when they're taking a distribution of their portfolio, three percent uh, to four percent is kind of a um, is a good um, and and stable way uh, to keep keep your principal intact. So, exactly, you know, yeah. if you, if you have a 4% uh, distribution rate of your portfolio, most people think of that as lasting forever, gotcha. you know, okay. but with a 4%, it, it, there, there are very few companies out there that have yeah. a 4% distribution rate. So, uh, you know, I kind of had to uh, uh, take off a little bit to yeah. get it, to get it to where it was enough companies to, to, um, facilitate this discussion. So 3% is kind of where we landed mm-hmm. and that knocked 20,000 down to 49. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's not a lot. Yeah. So there, there's, it's, it's hard. And then when you look at that, those companies, there are tons of, uh, most of them were in real estate, energy, utilities. Uh, there were some health companies, uh, in there, but it just wasn't a, a huge sample. Um, you know, there were only two technology companies in that group, IBM and Canon. And if you know those companies, you know that those are very mature companies in, uh, um, you know, segments of the economy that are uh, not necessarily growing at a rapid pace. And so, you know, it's just a, um, it's a hard thing to pull off uh, with the overall portfolio. Yeah, when, you know, that... That makes sense that, you know, I, I like the 3, 3% rule, and that's, you know, shocking that there's 49 stocks out of the 20,000. And so what, like, you know, what were the 49 stocks? Obviously, we don't, we're not going to name all of them, and how, how do they do? I mean, you know, what's, you know, it might spit out 3%, but what if the company's down 20% over the past, uh, yeah. you know, 5, 10 years? Like, that seems kind of... Irrele- you know, yeah. irrelevant of having that stock to me. That's a great question. And I mean, people who are, uh, will reflect back and really think honestly about what happened during certain times uh, uh, in the investment cycle, especially recently, like the Great Recession, you know, you had all these financial companies that were paying great dividends, but, you know, uh, they had to cut those dividends pretty quick once, yep. you know, they started, their businesses started struggling. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, and that that can happen for sure, and we've seen that over the course of time. Uh, even recently in the pandemic, it's it's you know uh, that's happened. Airline stocks got cut. I know Boeing got cut. General Electric was one that you know uh, for the longest time that was the darling, and it had a great yield, and then you know finally it has 
has been cut. And um, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's one of those things where it, it's I like the fact that there are dividends uh, at times. I mean, I think that helps in in the investment process, but it's an awful hard um, way to create a diversified portfolio. In terms of the performance, how did they yep. perform? Um, you know, I, I, of the of the stocks that we looked at, um, let's see, on the three-year performance, um, the S&P 500 beat every, uh, the if we averaged all the returns of those stocks, the S&P 500 beat the performance by nearly 10% annualized for each of wow. those three years. On a five-year level, the S&P 500 beat it by 11% annualized, and on a 10% uh, or on a 10-year uh, period, the S&P 500 beat these this 48-stock average, or 49-stock average, by 8% annualized over that entire decade. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at total return there, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, you think that by owning a stock, you're yeah. going to, um, you know, you're taking a little bit more risk, even though it's a dividend payer, and it would it's almost unfathomable that they would beat uh, the S&P 500 would, would beat the performance of uh, an individual stock over that period of time. But especially when you're talking about 48 different stocks. So um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's definitely interesting that, you know, all these stocks, individual stocks that, you know, I guess some people might deem healthy stocks are, are getting, I mean, it's not really, it's not even close getting crushed by the S&P. And, you know, 8% over 10 years is pretty astonishing. And so the next kind of question I had is, okay, awesome. This stock is paying me 35 4% every year. It's great. But what happens if they have a down year? Is that rate set in? Do they, can they cut that whenever they want to? Like how, how is that, how does that work? Well, I think that by and large, companies that are known for paying dividends do not want to cut the dividend. In yeah. fact, they want to grow it a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, they like to, you know, even for, they might increase it by one cent uh, each quarter. And that's that just reflects, you know, to them and their mind, and to some investors, that's a show of strength of the company. But when the rubber meets the road uh, and things go wrong, the dividend is the first thing on deck that management cuts. It's yep. you know you're not going to pay your investors when you're having a hard time and struggling with profitability, and so you know the, I've seen it so many times where it, it the dividends are cut, and you can see oh you know I've had clients come to me hey this this stock pays a eight percent dividend what do we have to lose, well the dividend is going to be cut if business starts to deteriorate. Yeah, yeah. So I mean these are not you know are not permanent at all. And I think the latest example is GE, right? I mean, that was touted as the, one of the best dividend paying stocks. This company's so big, like they're like, there's no way they're going to cut that dividend. There's no way they're going to fail. And it, they've been delisted. I mean, it, it, it's been kind of a, a, a whirlwind for them. And that's, you know, a good example of, man, I have this, you know, this, this cash cow dividends. And then all of a sudden, boom, within a few weeks, a month, 
that's kind of gone. And then now what's your now what's your game plan? Yeah, and think about what can happen. I mean, Boeing had um, a problem with their 737 line, right? So they had yeah. some major problems there. Um, Pacific Gas and Electric. So there were tons of wildfires out in California, and that impacted uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, which is the largest uh, power company in California. And so, you know, and they were really teetering on the brink of, of bankruptcy. And so... You know, uh, you just have no idea what can happen with any company. And, um, but, you know, to, to bet your retirement on the dividends of that company, I just don't think is a, a smart move. I mean, to me, you know, you're much better off kind of owning this huge diversified portfolio, a component of which could be dividend payers, right? So you can have yeah. this segment. Exactly. Uh, uh, that you're invested in and you've got some dividend payers in there and it's creating some income and that sort of thing. But maybe that's a only a component of a, a broader strategy. And uh, to me, that that's the way that, you know, investors are going to uh, produce the best outcome and the most consistent and predictable outcome as well. And so, you know, that's kind of the approach that we tend to favor. Yeah, which I think, you know, you have it deemed here as a total return approach. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. It's a total return. Yeah. So there are dividends. You know, I think even like the S&P 500 has a yield of like 1.7% now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's gone down here recently in recent years. But uh, still, you get a little bit of income. It's actually more than a treasury bill, right? So you, you're getting some income from that broad-based index. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's you're also getting the growth from the companies and you're helping, you know, as the economy grows as well, as the global economy grows, you know, your your uh, portfolio is going to grow as well. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, you know, they're, they're not, it's not guaranteed. Look, I don't think we're saying, you know, never own dividend-paying stock. They're, they're a bad investment, this and that. I don't think anyone should get that from, from this podcast at all or this discussion. I think what is, is kind of what we're trying to pull out is that, it's it's not as easy as just buying all these dividend payers want a nice a big you know a big position in a dividend payer and like okay I'm going to be good for retirement now this is going to supplement my income because they're so you know susceptible to change that, that I don't we don't think that that's a great approach or strategy that there are better alternatives in generating that excess income yeah and sometimes these generating producing companies are not in a position to be able to adapt with these changes. Their their business line is so complicated and they're so large that they just can't reverse course and make some changes and um, you know continue uh, you know high growth. It's just not their their businesses can't facilitate that. Yeah, exactly. And so that's and that's a a, a good point. Is you know as we're turning to the end here. I mean, you know, is there really anything else you wanted to to go over as, as far as this question because it is a common question that that we received that I've received that that's just you know kind of been around for for a long time that I think now people think about it differently than they used to in the past yeah and you know it, it's it's frustrating too because it seems like it's so simple but yeah. and especially in an interest rate environment like where we are now where interest rates are just lousy yeah. you know it's a good way to uh, you know, stock dividends are a good way to, to enhance that income that your portfolio is generating. But, you know, to me, you can do that with a, with a segment, but it's just, it's not a good strategy to just use only 
dividend payers, only utilities, energy companies, financials, and REITs. That's just, it, it's not a good strategy to, to employ. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So, and I think, you know, that's pretty much all we had here. And I think we answered the, the question that was posed. And uh, Chip, again, thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you, Nick. Yep. All right, guys. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,